Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the inaugural edition of the Political Roundtable with Heavy F and the Poli Guys. This is the first night of our newly formatted program, and I want to welcome everybody that is streaming us live, that is going to download this program later, because we are such greatness on here, they just can't handle it live, and they have to listen to it in delayed action. We like that around here. The time, 9.16 on the East Coast, 6.16 on the Left Coast. I am your host, the political Superman, Fabian, and tonight's roundtable is Jill, who is in the chat. She will uh, hopefully call in instead of staying on the sidelines. We have Barbara. We have Patricia. Our other roundtable members that are not here this evening are Alan, Ashley, Mark, and Tammy. Ashley and Alan are getting married tomorrow, so I wouldn't expect them to be here. Tammy is being lazy, and hopefully she will show up, and Mark, well, who knows. Anyway, and we have a guest that's going to eavesdrop on us. Um, She can participate if she so chooses when the questions come out. But the first things that we're going to talk about this evening is polling data. And as you folks know, I'm all about the numbers. So... If you have been following the post-debate furor going on on Fox, the Communist News Network, PMSNBC, CNBC, and others, the Alphabet Soup Networks, you will find that consistently across the board, there are several that believe that Hillary Clinton is ahead. However, however, Rasmussen has come out with a poll post-debate that puts a national election at 43-40 in favor of Trump. The Los Angeles Times, that has consistently had Trump ahead, has uh, uh, Trump ahead by two. And that polling data, they're using a new model for that poll, so the jury's still out on how that's going to work. Now, for those of you that follow politics and stay in it, uh, know that... National polls really don't mean anything, and that national polling data has zero relevance on an election. There is no such thing as a national election, and anybody that thinks that needs their head examined. There are 57 elections that take place on Tuesday, November the 8th, 51 of which is decided with an electoral college and... So national polls really aren't telling the story. So let's go state by state and talk about those polls. Nevada, Trump is up. There are they are releasing the early voting data based on who's voting, Democrats, Republicans, and the way they're coming up with these these numbers. Because I know a lot of you all saw them today um, that Democrats were outpacing Republicans in Florida, North Carolina, Nevada. Well, they don't know. They're basing it on who is on Voter Vault and who's on Emily's list, respectively, and what people have claimed when during the primaries. So that's not necessarily an accurate barometer because in 2012, 2008, 2004, John Kerry and President Obama did well in early voting. Democrats tend to do well in early voting, okay? Do not panic. In Ohio, Iowa, Maine, New Hampshire, 
Donald Trump seems to be holding his own. He's holding his own in Colorado. Okay, Democrats will show up to vote early. Do not panic. Republicans are showing up in droves. Okay, this is what they're not talking about. When the when the first data started coming out out of Florida, Nevada, Colorado, they didn't want to talk about in the areas. The better barometer in these states is who's showing up to vote. Okay, what polling precincts by state by state is their heavy voter turnout? Okay, Nevada has three main primary areas. In the two that are considered Republican strongholds, the voters are outnumbering the Democrats. Now, they're basing it on absentee ballots. They're basing it on... They're basing it on other things because Republicans generally do lead in the absentee ballot area, who requests them, who don't. In Ohio, there are two counties that are heavy Democrat, <coughs> Cuyahoga and Jefferson. Okay, And Jefferson County, Cuyahoga County, it's down, the request for Democrats are down 41%. Okay, Pennsylvania has no early voting. But you can get a barometer by the absentee ballots that are requested. Two to one, Republicans have requested absentee ballots. Okay, in 2012, 2008, and 2004, that number was a dead-even split. Now, again, doesn't mean anything in the long term. just simply means that there's going to be a lot of activity. Okay, as of this afternoon... 4.7 million people had already voted in early voting. Okay? And if you combine all the states and you want to look at everything down the middle, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Republican and Democrats running about 30% each, Independent running at about um, 32%, with the remainder going to one of the two wackos that are on the Constitution Party and the Green Party. So panic not. Just make sure that you drive people out to vote. What the Democrats' model is, is the same model they used in 2004. If you think that these first few days are not concentrated efforts to make it appear that Democrats are showing up in droves, that is exactly what they're trying to do. Okay? So everybody, keep calm, take a drink, and know that this isn't in bad shape. If If Ohio we're in bad shape. If Iowa were in bad shape, I'd say we have something to worry about. But Trump's numbers from the debate have went up exponentially. They went up exponentially in Arizona. They went up in Nevada. They went up in Florida. They're okay in North Carolina. Uh, they're not great in North Carolina, but I think Republicans will hold North Carolina. I don't think we're going to hold Virginia. I think we hold Ohio. I was not one that I put in the Republican column in my numbers. So if we change that around, we can afford to lose Ohio, or we can lose Iowa, or the, we can lose New Hampshire. Maine is not in my column, but Donald Trump's holding steady in Maine. In Minnesota, Donald Trump is up. So there is. You know, you just have to kind of take a guess and, and really push the vote out. That's going to be important. All your friends, cousins, uncles, neighbors, uh, push them out to vote and just make sure that they realize. You know, I have a lot of people say to me, you know, I don't like Trump. I don't like Clinton. 
And even at my job, I had a lady today talking about this election, and, and I didn't avoid the conversation. I was very careful not to give my two cents, but here's what I told her. And I will tell you guys the same. You guys heard me give this answer before. You have got... Uh, I think you may be right, Jill, but we'll discuss that in a minute. Um, you've got two options. You've got Hillary Clinton, whom we know committed 33,300 felonies. And that's just in one whack. Okay, not counting all the other felonies she's committed. Number two, she's entrenched. The Democratic Party will never turn their back on her, ever. Okay? If she gets in for four years, she's in. That's all she wrote. Okay? On the other side, you have Donald Trump. He does not have the allies in Congress that Hillary does. If he messes up, they will impeach him so fast that his toupee will spin. <laughs> okay? That's the truth. Right. And he will be convicted because he doesn't have a two-thirds majority stalwart in the Senate. So he could theoretically be the first president to kick out of office. So the question that you have is, do you vote for a lady that we know has committed all these felonies, who encouraged people, who went after women? You know, women seems to be the big topic right now. She went after these accusers and made them seem like they were the trash of the earth. I mean, wanted to destroy them. Okay? Think about that. Then you have a guy over here who he said derogatory things about women. Okay, now I'm going to tell you I still don't believe the majority of those claims against him. I don't. The more that we research them and the more we see the payoffs from the Clinton campaign, the Clinton Foundation, people that are connected to the Clintons, you know, the one come out from 1970, well, doesn't that strike anybody as odd that mm -hmm. they wait 40 years? I understand 10 years, 20 years, you know, trying to deal with whatever the trauma may be. Mm -hmm. But right before an election, I've got issues with that. And he may be guilty of one or two of them. He might. You know, I don't know. But at the end of the day, do I want someone that I know is going to do my country harm that I can't get rid of for four years? Or do I take a chance on somebody that I think his heart is in the right place? I think he wants the country to be great. And I think he'll surround himself with people that will do the job. He's already said, look. I'm going to put people around me that's going to do the job. He's going to be a figurehead. He's going to travel. He's going to renegotiate trade deals, things like that. So Mike Pence and the cabinet's going to be running the other affairs. I don't know that that's such a bad thing. So let's, uh, let's open it up for discussion. And the first question I'm going to throw out to everybody is this right here. Based on, and unfortunately, most of us are in Tennessee right now or in a state that doesn't have early voting. Based on your research the last few days since the debate, what are you guys coming up with? What are, what are your thought processes? How do you see the election going based on what you have, have come up with? And then we'll discuss it. And we'll start with the great and mighty president of Ragtag Patriots. Tammy. Hit your unmute button, Tammy. 
<laughs> I am. Mm-hmm. We're sitting in line waiting for Chinese, so I was trying to be quiet. Um, I, I really see some people coalescing around Trump. Uh, they're not admitting it, but uh, I see that they're saying that they're they're voting for the Constitution or they're voting for America because they don't want to vote for Hillary. Um, if anybody gets a chance tonight to see Tim Allen's, um, what was the what's the name of his sitcom that he has on now? Last Man Standing. Last Man, Last Man Standing. He his whole family dressed up. He he there was some subliminal stuff going on in the, in the script. Uh, he dress, he dresses Trump. Well, you know he's and, a Republican, so he's a yes, he's a big time Republican. It was it was very funny. Um, well, do no, you I see, think... you know, a couple of months ago, I have to point this out, a couple of months ago when we really got this thing going and there was a lot of backlash, one of the things that I said, and if we need to, we can pull the recordings, I said there will be a huge closet Trump movement, yeah. and there was a lot of people that said, no, 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 no. Do you think that that heavy closet Trump movement is going to come to pass? Yep. I do because, um, you know, we we tried so many things. I'm one of those people that I'm going to run through those doors until somebody tells me no or until I we can, there's nowhere else to go. We have nowhere else to go, and this, this is it. You know, we had hoped that the RNC would interfere, um, that we could maybe find a third party, but this this is it. We are we are faced with two awful candidates, but um, you know I think our chances are probably better with Trump, and he's going to be uh, in a pleasing mood. He's going to want to please everybody, and he's going to want to get the good ratings, and uh, uh, he's going to want everybody to like him. Now, on the I'm, other hand, he he may just get he may get mad at somebody, and I don't know. He may just tell him, you know, take it or leave it, take your lumps. Now, let me let me point out something to people, okay? Because I've heard a lot about his temper and when he deals with people. This is something to keep in mind. Once the Senate confirms a cabinet member, they cannot be fired except by the Senate. Okay. Now, I want people to understand that because a lot of people think, well, they serve at the pleasure of the president, which is true, they do, and the president can ask them to resign, and as a general rule, they will, but the president cannot fire a cabinet member. Once they're approved and in there, only the Senate has the authority to remove a cabinet member. Same conditions as if a president was being impeached, that they, it would be a two-thirds majority of the Senate. Now, the president can ask the Senate to remove them. Uh, The Senate, to my knowledge, has only done that one time. So those of you that are worried about Trump firing anybody that doesn't agree with him or rises up against him, he's pretty well blocked from that. It's the political staff that isn't appointed um, that he can fire. So just so everybody knows. Oh, looks like we're going to have a few of our guests here tonight. Go ahead and block that idiot. Um, Guys, I'm going to go ahead and block off the chat. GLO, I'll unblock you. 
I'm also, everybody that calls in, they're already set to mute. Uh, for those of you listening in that don't know, we get a lot of trolls in here, and they like to come in and make racist statements and whatnot in the chat or on the calls. So if you call in and you're muted, just give us a couple of minutes. We'll get to you when we do the open question time. All right, moving on to the next person. Let's see who wants the greatness of answering this question. Ah, Patricia. Yes. It's on you. Since the debate, how do you see the mood of the country going and who, who, as President Bush would say, is getting the big mo? Well, you had said that um, kind of like closet, closet stuff, Trumpers uh, would come out, and they are. That's mainly I, your independence and your um, undecided. I think the group of independents, the one thing that the Democrats have been worried about is, A, low voter turnout on their part. Now, I think they're still going to have low voter turnout. Mm-hmm. Now, in southern Florida, they're turning out pretty heavy. Um, they did in 2004. You have to remember something. Republicans have jobs, and so they work. A lot of them have scheduled to take off on Election Day. So you'll see, as long as you see Republican areas on election day with heavy, heavy turnout, you'll be fine. Um, theoretically, if we pick up Iowa, we pick up Minnesota, we pick up a couple of others, then even if we did manage to lose Florida, it would not affect the overall ambiance of the Electoral College. So it wouldn't be something that I would be 100% worried about. Are there any other observations that you've noticed from... Um, the election, or from since the debate? Well, I've noticed that there's an awful lot of WikiLeaks coming out. Now Anonymous has, has joined in uh, with uh, stories about Hillary. Not good ones. Uh, it's like I noticed they went after Tin Kane today. They shot a, They fired a shot over the bow against him. Yeah, I, I saw that too. Um, they're they're not slowing down. They're increasing, if not if anything, going after her. Um, another uh, woman came out saying, making a comment about Trump that he groped her or kissed her or something like that, and I looked at it and said, "Yeah, sure," and just deleted it. But other than that, uh, it's pretty much normal. Thank I like you. what we talked about. All right, Barbara. Yep. I think it's down to the wire, like Tammy said. I think the uh, Trumpers are going to come out. And uh, I, I think that Trump's going to win. Um, it's going to be close. It's really going to be, you know, a close election. Uh, I think Hillary's going to be surprised how close it's going to be. Uh, I don't think the Democrats are going to come out in droves like she thinks they're going to come out. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. I think they've got to push. They they want to try and shift and kind of discourage others from going voting. So there's an early push yeah. for the early voting states. But right. 
I don't think election day is when it's going to matter because that's when Republicans show up. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think it helps them if they don't have a if they don't have a million vote five hundred thousand to a million vote surplus in Florida. I don't think it helps them. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. And uh, I just I just think that at the last moment these people are going to make up their minds and they're going to go for Trump. And I think these tapes are not going to make a difference to them. I don't think it has made a difference to them. And the people he lost, it's not going to make a difference to him at all. You know, so if they, if he has lost people, it hasn't been my um, a big margin. All right. Jill? Go ahead. Are you talking to me? <laughs> You're the only person named Jill. Oh, I didn't hear you say Jill. Um, well, here's what I think. Okay, first off, I've got a few um, observations from uh, the last several days. Um, first off, I'm you know I, my background. I'm not really or wasn't really supporting either one of these two um, as I was cruise crew, and I will say that uh, with all pride and and uh, and honor have been part of Ted's um, campaign. But as it stands right now, um, not going to go third party. Um, I think that if I do anything at all, it's going to be one of two things. For my vote, it's going to either be voting for Trump or it's going to be voting, leaving the President of the United States vote empty and voting down ballot only. Because I know in the state of Indiana we can. Um, now, my observations... Um, I, based on, and I have a good conglomerate of different friends from high school all the way, people that have worked with me on the cruise crew throughout the country and just, you know, a number of different friends, groups, if you will, people from the local area where I live. Um, and what I will say is that I believe that black men specifically are in fear of Trump. I think that there is a large majority of them, especially, and and this is what really kind of bothers me a little bit. The two in particular that I'm referring to that I know are Clinton supporters are in high-end jobs. I mean, they're fully educated and both in high-end jobs. One's a doctor and making really good livings, okay? Um, so that really kind of surprised me, although maybe there's this guilt thing that's going on with them because they are successful. I really don't know. But what I do know is that they fear Trump being a racist and too far alt-right for the, for for them. So that's – now I know that he's been able to bring a whole lot of black people into his uh, – and Hispanics, if you will, um, into his – good sights after everything that was said. Um, But, I mean, early on in the campaign, that is. Um, And as for between Trump and Hillary, my recommendation, and and actually I'm going to verbalize this on my Facebook page because it just came to me, Fabian, when you started the program this evening. And I put it in chat. I really think that the American people, by and large, believe that Hillary Clinton is guilty of sin. Okay? All the evidence points to it. Comey has has admitted to that that she lied, that she perjured herself. The woman does not; she's really technically not eligible to run. 
the business about intent, well, you know, um, I, the the way I read that particular code is that you just don't take any government materials out, period. Okay? Uh, whether there's intent or not. So, that said, I think what the American people should do is if our federal government will not indict her, then we need to think about this because she wants more than anything else in this world to be the president of the United States. Her lifelong goal is to be the first woman president. This is what she's been living for all of her life, following Alinsky and all the rest of them. And I think the best thing that America could do would be to indict her and send her butt home and give it to Trump. That's my impression. Okay. And my suggestion. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Now, one of the one of the things that a lot of people aren't talking about, and I don't know if it's just a matter of the I don't know. But let's talk the racial divide. Because Hispanics being number one. I have heard that Hispanics are a huge voting block and they're just not going to support Trump because of his stance on illegal immigration. But I think you will find Wait a minute. that... <coughs> Fabian, can I say something if I can get it out here? Sorry, guys, I've been sick. Um I think that's hogwash, though, because there's a lot of legal immigrants in this country that are Hispanic that are that should be in favor of him because he is – a lot of them supported Senator Cruz because the whole idea was these people that are coming in legally are doing it the right way, just like Trump said. A lot of what Trump is saying lately has been things that I've heard eons ago from Ted on the campaign trail. So that's why I'm saying I believe that Ted's been working with him and – kind of giving him some information and some insight and just discussing it like two men instead of, you know what I'm saying, instead of prepping for a debate. Uh, and I know that Ted did reach out and say he was going to help him before the debates. So, but anyway, I, I forget Ted for a minute. I just want to say that I don't necessarily think that in Hispanics that it's, I think the illegals are going to be that way, but they're not even supposed to be able to vote anyway, are they? Well, and that's where I was going with it. The legal Hispanics will not support those that come over here illegally because of the fact that it took them 10 to 12 years to complete their process legally, right. and they assimilated into American Thousands society. I'm sorry, Fabian. Um, I also overheard uh, today earlier on one of the call-in local shows that syndicated uh, a young lady who has been here for, I don't know, 30, 40 years. <clears throat> she is legal, you know, came here, wasn't legal, became legal. She married a serviceman, and she said, we do not like Hillary Rodham Clinton. She's awful. My family is military, and she said she should be in jail and she said, and we don't like the illegals coming here either. And she said, and that, for that reason, I'm voting for Trump. Well, I think, I think that that's part of that group. 
I think that that's part of that group. You know, we, we use the term closet Trumpers. And I think that a lot of Hispanics are part of that group. That is why most people predict he's going to win Arizona and Nevada. Now, the Democrats have been on a push to try and get illegals to vote. Okay, They're pushing for a lot of those millennials that are children to illegals to go didn't into the Didn't California polls. say that they wanted people that were to be able to just go ahead and vote, that they didn't need any kind of ID or something like that? California read that. has passed a resolution in their legislature and Senate that does allow for illegals to vote. However, they can only vote in state elections. They cannot vote for the Senate, the House, or the presidency. Oh, I see. Okay, well, thanks for clarifying that because I didn't get to read the whole article. So they can they can change the rules of who votes in their state elections. They cannot change the rules of who votes in the federal office. Federal elections. Gotcha. Thank you very yes. much. So now let's go let's go back to the the racial divide and let's go with okay we've determined that Hispanics yes it's going to be disproportionate to Hillary okay it is because there's going to be a lot of millennials and illegals that do vote let's just go ahead and face it okay they if you look at the voter ID laws in the states that Obama challenged in 2012 they were all states that he had to carry all the states he did carry because of stripping the voter ID laws Ohio Colorado North Carolina They've even come in and tried to strip Tennessee's, and Tennessee told them to get a grip. Okay, Tennessee told them no, that they can do what they want to with their own. Uh, so the the big thing about this election is that people remember that on November the 9th, the United States is still going to exist. Okay. The United States is still going to be here. I'm more concerned about the 10th. <laughs> on January the 20th, it's still going to be here. I have my on that. Excuse me? I have my doubts that we're going to survive after the election. <laughs> we will survive. We will. Why did now. you say that? What, what gives you those doubts? What gives me the doubts is that no matter if Hillary or Trump gets elected, that we're not in a good spot after the election this year. Well, that's well, true. I mean, there's there's a lot agree. that has to be fixed. You bet. You betcha. You betcha. And and but, uh, regard. And either one of the here can fix that. Well, depending upon who gets in, will will certainly get the ball rolling in terms of. ISIS and border security and so forth, because I don't think, I think that Donald Trump takes national security a lot more seriously than most people think, because that was the very first, very first issue he brought into the election. In fact, I'm I'm sure you all remember in some of the primary debates, he said, you know, if it wasn't me bringing it up, we wouldn't even be talking about this. Right and he's right. <laughs> he, and, he, and he's probably right. He's exactly right. There is none of them wanted to touch border security, not even Helen Keller wanted to touch right. it. Okay. And she so, wasn't there. 
I'm telling uh, you. <laughs> well, um, you know, if Hillary gets in, there's there's one of two ways this is going to go. If Trump gets in, then I can guarantee you that Ted Cruz will get to work with Trump and Pence and work on getting things straightened away with regards to ISIS. Whatever they need to take care of that isn't done or that isn't handled right now, they're going to take care of it. Because well, I, if, I mean, if Trump gets elected, four things are going to happen. Okay, number one, the military is going to be giddy. Okay, yeah. because they know a lot of their pet projects and new equipment that they want is going to get funded. Up. Yep. Yep. Number two, you will see a swell of people signing up for the military. Okay, so Most likely true, those, and we need that. Those will go We're going to need that. Uh, yes. Number three or number two. Those are the same thing. Number two, you're going to see a lot of self-deportations start. Yep. Okay. There will yep. be self-deportations start. A lot of businesses, they know that if Trump wins that election, that they have to get rid of their illegal aliens, not, undocu- not undocumented migrants, not undocumented immigrants, not and the visa people. any other term they want to use, illegal alien. Okay, so there's number two, or number three, excuse me. And number four, we are going to see an influx of businesses either begin to put money into their U.S. operations, or we're going to see new companies come back to the United States and begin to conduct business here again. Because I will tell you, if there's three things that I believe he's going to push for, one of them is going to be border security. Second one is going to be some of these countries that have been kicking us around for the last eight years. Yeah. That that stops on January 20th at noon. Okay, That's why you see Russia getting their pot shots in. That's why you see Iran, Syria, North Korea, that little imp. Getting Speaking his of crap that, in. he's going to renegotiate that deal too. So no, I think there is a need to do that one will be torn to shreds. The Congress. Yeah, I, think so. I think you're right. That one's going to do that. <laughs> so I think that we have. I think that we have some opportunities. Versus if Hillary gets in, if Hillary gets in, we're going to see a push for the. Nuclear. We're going to see the. Barbara. We're going to see the minimum wage be pushed up. Now, that is dangerous. Very dangerous. Yeah, for business, yep. Very dangerous. As and a matter for of low fact, end workers. For low end American workers. It's dangerous. One of the companies that I work for, I guarantee you, we're gonna see layoffs. <laughs> a lot yep. of layoffs. Because on the customer service end of things these companies aren't going to want to pay $15 an hour nope. to an employee, and they're going to cut way back on their customer service, uh, or they're going to try and farm it out. One of the yeah, biggest problems is call center work, and people, you'll be getting phone calls from doing business with people from their homes. Well, the biggest, the, the biggest irritation that I have with the company that I work for is my calls that I that I take are graded. Okay. Now, I don't have a problem with them being graded. I do have a problem with them being graded by people in the Philippines because my calls are graded by people in the Philippines. And how they choose to do things versus how we do things here are two very different things. 
And the one thing that I get marked off on all the time, and you all have heard me gripe about this before, is they have a particular thing on our call sheet that says transitional phrase. And it's like somebody calls in, hey, I want to check on my flexible spending account. What is my balance? Well, in the transitional phrase, I'm supposed to be like, I'll be glad to help you with that. Okay, me, I'm like, your balance is dot, dot, dot. I just cannot wrap my head around this whole. I'll be happy to serve you. Yeah, it's like, you want your balance? These are nice young men in their clean white coats as they're coming to take me away. (laughs) Baby, Mr. Story. Yes, Tracy. I would like to add to that. Also, the company that I work for has outsourced hundreds of thousand jobs this year to call centers in the Philippines. And um, we are a work-at-home company, and before they changed names, it was strictly U.S. work from home. And since they have changed names, they have outsourced many call centers to foreigners. Wow. Now, which, which you know, that does explain. Now, Tracy and I work for the same company. Oh, Tracy's okay. not near the employee I am, but, you know, she's trying. Oh, and, my uh, gosh. Will you stop? <laughs> I don't believe him, Tracy. He is it's okay. Full of it. <laughs> she's, she's one rung up on the ladder above me, so I really can't oh, say okay, anything. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. But uh, anyway, the I get a lot of complaints here recently of, at least you're not in the Philippines. At least you're not, and I won't say some of the things they say, but I'm just sitting there chuckling because, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I've done call center work, and I, I worked for DirecTV for a while. I don't have any problem saying that. And they um, they farmed to um, the Philippines also. And it was a nightmare. Well, here's, here's I, we had the more thing. people upset because they were directed to the Philippines and sent back to us. Here's about so. to be the problem with that, though. If anybody's been watching the news, and this is one of those things I wanted to discuss tonight, because it's going to have a big impact on U.S. companies. Did anybody watch the news and see what, what the Philippine what president program? said? Well, uh, what, who said? The Philippian president. No. He basically oh, yeah. gave a he's finger to the United States, and he's getting ready to kick them off their bases in the Philippines. Now, if you guys will remember, the Philippines was a United States territory until President Clinton. And President Clinton gave the Philippines their complete freedom under the condition that we use their military bases. Well, the Philippines has now aligned with China. Uh-oh. Yep. Now, here's the thing. The United States has said, okay, fine, we're about to give you sanctions. Well, guess what one of those sanctions will be? No U.S. company can do business within their borders. Wow. So where does all those call center jobs that they farmed out go? Well, I guess they'll be going to the United States, and people here will be getting them. So um, it, that's just something to think about, that... And and listen, it is no big shock within the company I work for that I cannot stand my calls being graded by the Filipinos. I promise you, they are well aware that I don't like that. Okay. I, I agree because at one time my calls were graded by the same Filipinos, but I do have to say since a company changed names, they have outsourced hundreds of thousands of jobs that were here in the U.S. for work-at-home agents, and now they have outsourced them. And I have seen that by email 
and by website. Now they're offering the incentives out of country because there's yeah. more employees there than there are in the U.S. Well, and they can well, also probably the pay them less. They, prob- they do pay them a lot less. On the hour. And, that's exactly right. And that's the right. thing. But with, pay f- with, with the company that we work for, we listen. We're not making. We're not getting rich. I promise you that. No, no. Um, I know that most of the call center customer service jobs. That's the way they are. They're not. They're not high paying jobs. Although I had a pretty decent one in the in the hospitality industry. Um, but 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 they're uh, all metric oriented, Fabian. I mean that's just the way it works. Well, it is about you know? metrics, and I meet mine quite nicely. Thank you. Me too. Matter of fact, matter of fact, they have early on after the initial period where you got used to taking the calls, they would have to go back and review mine just to make sure that I wasn't hanging up on participants because my call times were so low. So uh, they don't anymore, but they, they used to. I would get, Courtney would be like, um, we're reviewing your calls because the average time used to be seven minutes. Now it's eight. Yeah, and you then, know, you're going to really get become a thorn on some of the other sides because they're going to think they can get it done in less time. I Just think that, that if the company would have <laughs> changed names, we wouldn't have started outsourcing. But I think that the company that we changed the name to decided that outsourcing was cheaper than keeping the work-at-home agents, and that's why they decided to outsource. So I think but the it thing would be it would be cheaper to keep the work-at-home agents and get rid of the brick-and-mortar centers. I agree. Because you pay a lot more money with brick-and-mortar centers than you do. We're getting more brick-and-mortar and more outsourcing than we are work-at-home agents at this point. Right, and I did notice that. But ironically, on the flip side, Comcast, Charter, AT&T, Verizon, and several other companies are going to work-at-home agents, and they are transitioning out of their buildings because they've determined that, you know, because they don't keep up our computers, I have to keep my own computer up, I have to keep my own phone system up, have my own right. phone line, That's you know, less expenses. But, yep. eh, the heads, you know, other than the other day, I've never had a problem with this headset. For some reason, there was like eight calls in a row that it would not answer. And when well, I unplugged the phone line... I've had a number line, of them that have gone, I mean, they go bad after a while, but... So. But anyway, we'll talk not about that, that after. expensive either. It's not like we'll talk to about that new phone system after the recording, Jill. After the recording. Oh. So we've got, as far as a Hillary Clinton presidency, the first thing that I think will be a drain on the economy is the minimum wage. That's going to be the first thing they push for. Uh, Congress has already approved ten dollars an hour, so it is going to ten dollars an hour, but they're doing it incrementally. Well, she's going to want to push it to at least fifteen. There's two problems with it being pushed to 15. One, puts you in a new tax bracket. So you technically will make less take-home pay than you did at $10 an hour. Okay, number one. Number two, everybody's going to have to eat that. So what happens when everything goes up to compensate for that $15 an hour? It's called inflation. Okay, now you add on top of that inflation to the massive tax increase that they want. And when they say, well, I'm not going to raise taxes on anybody making less than $250,000 a year, that's a damn lie. Well, that was what Clinton said. That's a lie. Trump didn't say that, and I don't think his tax his tax plan even was it, it, his indicated. His tax plan would him. be, his indicator 
and we'll come back to him as we finish up. But with Clinton, the increase that she wants on the incomes of 250000 and over, the people that make the 250000 and above are the creators of 82% of the jobs in this country. I don't okay. argue that, but these are the same people that are sending the jobs overseas, Fabian. Well, you give them I mean, incentives. reality is what reality is. Listen, I don't blame. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm red, white, and blue through and through. But when you operate a company, your best interest is to look out for that company. And if the tax code and the tax system that you have in your country isn't working to your advantage as a business, then you have to look elsewhere. Then you I have agree. to make it. But Trump has a way around taxes because he hasn't released his tax returns. Well, we're going to talk about that. And and I actually agree with him not releasing his tax returns, and I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. I knew that was going to come up. The The issue is that if you have tax loopholes, and I'm going to give you a big one that everybody on this call has probably at one point in time taken. It's called the earned income credit. Okay. And the earned income credit basically takes low-income families, mid- to low-income families, and it gives them back X number of dollars for each child that they have uh, above what their tax liability would be, okay? So, for example, if you make $40,000 a year and you've got three children and a wife or a husband, as it were, and you file your taxes and you've paid in $5,000 in taxes, $6,000 would be the normal for a family of five. Uh, You get all that $6,000 back, plus they're going to tack on about two grand more that you didn't pay in. Now, there's some that say, well, I need that that money. a bonus for working when you're a single mom. (laughs) The point is that where does that money come from? Did you know that if they stopped the earned income credit, which, by the way, Obama signed to do, nobody wants to talk about that. The earned income credit is on its way out. There's two more years left of it, and then it will be no more. But my point is that if we're giving people money that they did not pay into the system, wouldn't that explain a lot of the problems that we're having with our budget? If you don't pay in, and this is the way that I have always said it, and there's a lot of people that will disagree with this, and that's fine. On this program and other programs, we tell it like it is, you have the right to be wrong. But every single individual ought to participate in the tax code. Every person ought to pay taxes. Okay? Period. Doesn't matter. I every to pay taxes. However, if some are smarter than others to get around deductions, etc., that's They're my thing. It. I have no problem with deductions, which brings me back to Donald Trump's tax returns. There are five or six uh, property loopholes when it comes to dealing with taxes, the federal taxes. And Trump deals mainly with property. Real estate. The businesses yep. that are on the property generally are mortgaged to the hilt, which, you know, again, is one of those business loopholes that if you don't like, you need to change it. But you keep the property free and clear. You build a casino. You mortgage it to the hilt. When you've drained every drop out of it, then you file bankruptcy and you're done with it. Okay? That's how the business code is set up. Now, how's he avoided paying taxes? Simple. 
The properties stay free and clear. The businesses are mortgaged to the hilt. You don't have to pay any taxes on that because you're technically not making a profit. You're bringing in revenue. You're not bringing in a profit. And that's what a lot of businesses do. Okay? It's not just him. But yeah, but personal you can only tax show returns. a loss so many years before you they're, they're going to come looking at you. Personal tax returns. Maybe that's you don't why show you get audited every you year. <laughs> you don't show a loss. You show a dead even, which is pretty much what he does. And he said that on multiple occasions. It, it, it basically shows a dead even. If he goes to show a profit, they drop money into the Trump Foundation, and they don't show a profit. So that prevents them from paying taxes. If you don't like that system, which I don't, by the way, you change it. And the way you change it is you do across the board. Um, I hate the term flat tax, but flat tax for lack of a better term. Now, back to Hillary. So now we've got... You don't get my vote on that, Mr. Story. That's fine. I don't need it. Uh, (laughs) Well, I I think a flat tax is, is fairer than anything else. A flat tax based on a percentage, yes, or a value added. That's probably the best way to put it is a usage tax because people don't understand that on a flat tax, it wipes out. And I'll give an example, Coca-Cola. Anybody here bought a soft drink in the past week, two weeks? Yeah. Soft drink, soft drink. Okay, let's say that Coca-Cola right now is running a sale on – Cokes, and you can get a two-liter for a dollar, dollar fifty at Walmart or wherever. Okay, does anybody know how many times that 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 drink before you purchase it has been taxed? Probably about ten times. I rough think guess. three. Yeah. Anybody want to take a rough guess? We've got ten. Tracy, I didn't hear what yours was. Three. Three. Three times. Anybody else? I was going to say it's, it's not going to be. Uh, let's see. Fifteen. Uh, no. uh, it has been ta- it has been Wait a taxed. Minute. Wait a minute, six- It's been taxed six times before it ever gets to you, and you pay taxes on it again. Who all? Who, where, what are all the steps? You've got the on the bottles. There's a tax on the plastic. Okay. There's a tax for the plastic. There's a tax for the carbonation. There's a tax on the sugar that goes into the syrup. There is a tax on the company to keep it. It's called a warehouse tax. There is a tax to transport across state lines. And then there's a tax. It's called the the actual business tax. And then by the time it gets to you, sales tax or income tax, whichever one that you're I didn't think they charge taxes to go across state lines within the United States. Oh, yes, they do. You have taxes. When you use that federal highway system, oh, yes. That's why we need a flat tax. Now, under a flat tax system, now that's six six times under the flat tax, which I hate the term flat tax, but a usage tax would be better. National sales tax. There we go. National sales tax. There is such thing as a use tax, so you've got to be careful about that. The the depending... Depending on what percentage that you've got it set at, the the national consensus is about 20% to use as a, a national sales tax, which, by the way, would take the place of the income tax, would take the place of the uh, warehouse tax, which would take the place of all these taxes. A $1.50 Coke, 2-liter Coke, under the national sales tax, 
Anybody know how much it would cost? Probably about half of what it does cost now. Well, no, it, it would cost about a dollar two, and yeah. that's with the tax. A dollar two. And because everything would be usage adage or sales tax added, you're generating revenue from everyone. Everyone is paying into the system. Okay? And then you don't have the IRS. All of the sales tax would be handled on the state level, which already is to begin with. So you save 2 to $3 billion a year right there just dealing with the IRS. Oh, God, now, no. Now, the one argument that I did hear was, well, that'll be a struggle on families. No, it wouldn't. How, how so? That dollar fifty Coke just became less, and if you're going to buy that dollar fifty Coke, why aren't you going to buy the dollar two Coke? Because you can't tell me you're waiting on your tax return to buy the Coke. No. So, anyway, next week's topic, we are going to deal with entitlements. We are going to deal specifically with the farm bill. For those of you that are unaware of the Farm Bill, that is the bill that holds that wonderful program that is run by the uh, Agriculture Department known as Food Stamps. We're going to talk about some new things coming for the Food Stamp program, whether they're good or they're bad, and some of the changes that they want to make to the program uh, before Obama leaves Who's office during the last Who's they want to make? I'm sorry? CBN? Who is yeah. they? Congress. Well, the president wants to push them through, the Democrats in Congress. Yeah, Tracy. Hey, is it okay if I ask for Miss Barbara? Yeah. To contact me? <laughs> sure. Uh, uh-oh. Uh, how, how is the best way to do this, Fabian? I'll uh, send her in the chat. Just put it in that chat that I put you in. Yes. I don't know that I got the chat. I just have my personal chat right now. You're in there. Hang on. I'll send you a message. That way you'll see it pop up. I've got it right here, I think. Okay, yep. I will show you. I will put my name in there. Really? For Barbara? Barbara, what substantive conversation did you Barbara? Barbara. Be quiet. quiet. Will you please? (laughs) Barbara's dangerous. Your story. I'm going to set up a poll for you. Oh, good Lord. I'm going to smack Mark the next time he puts a poll up. Uh, Tracy, I hope you know how to turn off notifications because when Mark gets going, well, when all of us get going, there'll be umpteen million messages come through. Uh, Anyway, for those of you you that... uh, have used to hearing us on a more regular basis. You can tune in Friday nights at 9 o'clock and listen to our roundtable. Uh, we've been a little off-key this evening, but that's okay. We'll get back to our normal stuff. Next Friday we'll be discussing the Farm Bill, and we'll do open mic. So the last half of the program will be any topic anybody wants to bring up. So prepare your questions, bring them out, let's uh, talk about them. For those of you that are interested in Ragtag Patriots, you can visit us at ragtagpatriots.com and you can uh, sign up there to be a 76er. Basically, that gets you on our mailing list. We'll keep you updated on what's going on and get you involved as we move forward with the Common Sense Agenda. meets Thursday nights at 9 o'clock. We encourage everybody to get involved and have a voice in shaping uh, the direction of the country. 
Now, with that being said, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I am your host, Fabian. I thank everybody on our roundtable this evening for their discussion. Next week, our normal panelists should be back. Remember, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Freedom isn't free, so thank a soldier for without them. We would not be able to do what we do. This is the Political Superman saying, have a good night, everybody.